This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5. This is our foundational text for uh, the teachings that we have been, uh, um, been doing, that we've embarked upon. I started with Minister Martins uh, some weeks ago. Uh, the Beatitudes is what we are, are, are discussing and what we're talking about. And my portion of this, uh, verses 4 through 6, is what I'm covering. And I have entitled this piece of it, The Beatitudes, Oh, What Peace We Often Forfeit. And we're going to, to get into some peace tonight, amen. So the peace, oh, what peace we, or, we often Forfeit. In Matthew chapter 5 is where we will uh, begin our reading tonight. Matthew 5 verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came into him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so we, we wanted to, and I'm, by way of uh, a brief um, uh, overview or review so we can get right into it because I have a, a place that I need to be, uh, we, again, always need to remember, we always want to remember, so that's why I want to reiterate every time that I get up, is, is the he that, that is speaking here. It is the he because it is, it is God, it is Christ, it is the anointed one, it's the one sent from God, the one sent from heaven. It is God. It is, is, is Jesus alone. He is the one who is talking, who is speaking in this passage of Scripture. So, I mean, what, what, what you know, my word, somebody else's word, our, you know, our word is, is, could be ever-changing. Our word, you know, sometimes we, we have the best of intentions when we say something, that when we say that we're going to do something, we have the best of intentions, but we are human and we fail. But God does not fail. He never, ever fails. We fail in doing his word, but if you do his word, you will not fail. We fail in doing his word, but if you do his word, you will not fail. God is a God. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. And whatever he says in the scriptures, it shall come to pass. You can trust. You can believe. You can beg. You can put your money on that. If, if I were a betting woman, that's the only time that I would bet is betting on the word of God because his word is true. And it is, it is going to come to pass. 
no matter what, no matter what it looks like now, no matter what it looked like then, no matter what it looks like now, no matter what you think it might look like in the future. God's word is truth. It's truth. Never changing. Never ending. Never changing. And if we would just work the word, if we would work the word, the word will work for us. If you work the word, the word will work for you because it can only do what God has designed for it to do. It can only do what God says that it is going to do. And that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. So we can trust that. that this is the he that we're talking about. The he is the one that to be trusted. The he is the one that can bring it to pass. He is the one that is laying out this word. He is the one that's preaching to these these multitudes. He is the one. So if he said it, I believe it. If he said it, I trust it. If he said it, I'm going to hold on to it. If he said it, I'm going to obey it. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. And I can bank my life on it. If he said it. We talked about the one, the, the blessed, and as we, as we read here, we see uh, all of these, these scriptures, the beginning, blessed, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are the, blessed. And so, so here we're, we're, we've been talking about th- that word blessed and how, what, what that actually means. It, it has nothing to do with monetary gain. It has nothing to do with what you have been able to accomplish in your life naturally, on your jobs. It has nothing, what, the things that you've been, been able to to possess, to gain, to buy, to purchase. It has nothing to do with that. Being blessed has nothing to do with any of those tangible things. But being blessed has everything to do with being in Christ. Knowing that you are God's and God is yours. Knowing that you are in Christ. Be accepted. Knowing that you have been accepted because you are found in Christ. That is is the blessing. And I told you before, last week even, that, 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 that salvation, our salvation, the salvation plan, it was built, blessed is built into salvation. Blessed is built into salvation. And blessed is built into the salvation plan of God. That is what being blessed is. And if we could wrap our minds around that, if we could comprehend that, then we would not, I mean truly, Truly, I mean, we say that we do, right? We, everybody, we, we can say that we do. I, I know, I believe, I believe that I'm blessed because God has accepted me. I believe that I'm blessed. But listen, see, 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 we say that, but then sometimes things happen, right? Circumstances, situations, last week, two weeks ago, happened when we didn't have running water, some of us, and we didn't have electricity. And then some of us forgot that we were blessed. Some of us forgot that we were blessed even in the midst of that. I was talking to somebody the other day. I was like, you know, no resource, no resource went on. Yes, I used the snow. The snow that had my, that was the reason for my, my water being cut off. The snow, the reason for me being in a rolling uh, 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 power outage. But I used the snow to help re- recoup some things, to be, help me flush my toilet. No resource going under. And so for that, I was blessed. I was blessed. And whereas somebody, some other people did complain, I didn't complain. Why? Because I realized, yes, it was an inconvenience. Of course it was. 
Nobody likes packing water, having to, every time you want to flush the toilet, having to pack water and, and pour it into the, no, it, it was inconvenient. But not one time did I, not one time did I, did I complain because I realized, listen, we only had a taste. Think about the people that just live out on the streets every day. Think about that. So we complain about not having water and water. We complain about not having electricity. Not being able to, those, those conveniences that we're so used to. I get it. But think about the people who are, they live like that from day to day. You were blessed. Even in the midst, we were blessed. And we are blessed. Because we are accepted in Christ. Because we have a sure foundation because we have Christ. We know that the righteous, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. It never said that we had, that we would go one day without having trouble. That was never, that was never in the scripture. But what the scripture says is that God will be with us. He says, Lo, I will be with you. With our lights, I will be with you. With our water, I will be with you. And none of us missed a meal. I know you did. And, and, and last week during that start, when you all you had to do when you didn't have any lights, you ate. We did not miss anything. A little inconvenience, but we didn't miss anything because of the faithfulness of our God. So a believer is blessed when they have accepted and is found in the one who is the blessing. And that is Christ Jesus alone. That is Christ Jesus alone. We must remember that all blessing is channeled through him. All blessing is in him. All blessing is channeled through him. We can't think about the blessings of God the way the world thinks about the blessing. You know, even, even those who don't even proclaim to, to be in Christ, even those who don't even proclaim to, 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 uh, uh, um, to be living for him or proclaiming Christianity, they, they recognize the word blessed. And they use the word blessed. But we cannot think about it the way that the world considers the blessing. Because we are not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of this world. Our thoughts have to be different. Our thoughts have to be based on the standard and the word of God. And that is the bottom line. We have to, our thoughts, our thoughts, our thoughts, our thoughts have to be based on the standard and the word of God. And I get it. I understand. Like I said, inconveniences are one thing. I understand it's, you know, and, and I, we, we all been through it. We've been through it. But we have to understand that the blessing is being in Christ Jesus. We talked about the principles that are laid out in this scripture. We will always want to, to, to confirm and to acknowledge the principles principles under which we preach, under which we minister. And so this particular word, is, it, it's, it's about the principle of obedience and the principle of agreement. And so we said that if we would, would, would listen, would heed, would obey the word, the principle of obedience, because it is the plan to reward our lives. God will reward our life with peace. 
God will reward our life with joy. God will reward our lives with all of these different things if we just obey his word. It's already built in. It's already built in. The benefits, the benefits of obedience are built in just like the, 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 the benefits, if you will, are the consequences of, of disobedience. It's already built in. Whereas the, the, the consequences of sin is death, then the, the consequence of obedience is life. It's already built in. It's built in. Built into the plan already. All we have to do is what? I said, follow the plan. Follow the word. The lives we live now can, uh, uh, the lives that we live now can produce reward now. And it can also produce reward in the future. And remember, Minister Martin laid that out beautifully for us, that even in all of these things that we're talking about with the Beatitudes, it's for now and it's for later. It's for now and it's for later. And, and like our pastor said, I'm not, I'm not talking about the candy now and later. I'm talking about the reality of right now and later. So if we obey the word, the principle of obedience, we obey the word, our lives will be rewarded now and later. The principle of obedience. And then we have uh, the principle of agreement. This word also comes through the principle of agreement because that is God's plan to crown our lives with peace. Oh, what peace we often forfeit when we do not agree and obey the word of God. We forfeit peace. You forfeit your peace. When you do not obey, you forfeit your peace when you do not agree with God's word. You forfeit your reward when you do not obey God's word. But when you agree with the word, that's lining your thoughts up. That's lining. I agree with this word. I'm lining my thoughts up. And when I align my thoughts, then my actions will follow. And then when, I, when, I, when my actions follow and I obey, then you can see that's the, that the, the, the crown of life. That, that will bring peace to me as I agree with his word, as I'm lining up. And then as I obey, then that's going to bring the reward. Hallelujah. If we, the principle of agreement and the principle of obedience are at work right here in these scriptures. So again, these, these, these characters, all of these things, uh, the mourning and, and uh, the poor in spirit and hungering and thirsting after righteousness and uh, uh, the merciful, all of these things, the peacemakers, all of these things we said are the characteristics that God expects. We cannot pick and choose. We said that we cannot pick and choose what we're going to do, what we're going to obey, and what we're not going to obey. God is expecting all that believe in him, all that profess to be Christian, meaning Christ-like, that's what that really means, Christ-like, all those who are professing to be Christian, professing to be believers, God expects these characteristics to be found in you, to be found in them. All who proclaim to be Christ-like, all that proclaim, and I'm taking my time and I'm saying it slow because I want you to pick it up. I want you to pick it up. All that God, all, all, everyone who proclaims to be Christ-like, everyone who proclaims to be a believer in Christ, all that proclaim to have faith in God and faith 
in his work. All those who claim to be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, all those who proclaim those things, God expects these characteristics to be found in them. And that is the bottom line. Remember, we've been talking about being legal. Legalist, legalism is not going to get you. Obedience is what's going to get you where you need to be. Obedience is going to bring the reward. Not legalism. You can't say, yes, I trust him. Yes, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm saved and I'm sanctified and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But then we cannot find these things. God cannot find these things in you. Not one. Not two. All of them. That's what God expects. Because that's what he did. When Christ lived on this earth, he lived these things. And we're supposed to be Christ-like. That means that our lives should, be, should line up. Christ is the standard and our lives have to lead, have to rise up. Have to rise up to the standard where God is. Legalism says, look, I'm about halfway and that's okay. That's what legalism says. I'm about halfway. I'm not, I'm not quite there. You know, I'm about, I'm about a fourth. I'm about a fourth way down. So I'm good. No, 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 no. Christ, the standards of God, he says, we need to rise up to his standard. It's not about our standard. It's about his standard, what he expects. Not what you expect. Not what you think it could be. It should be. It ought to be. What he's good with. You're gonna, you, so you're gonna tell God what he should be good with. You should be good with that. Really. Really. You're gonna tell God what he should be good with. Let me tell you, that's not the principle of agreement, and that's not the principle of obedience. Therefore, your life is not crowned with peace, and you can, I'm sure you can see that. <laughs> and you're not getting the rewards and the benefits, and I'm sure you can see that too. So these characteristics... We said that are very contradictory to the world standards. Every, each and every one of them, they're contradictory to the world's standards. And again, narrow is the way. We're not talking about the standards of men. We're not talking about the standards of society because those change. They change on a regular basis. We're talking about the standard of God that never, ever changes. So when we talked about blessed are they that mourn. We got into that. Blessed are they that mourn. Remember the two conditions, the two conditions that we set out, uh, because, uh, that Minister Martin uh, laid out for us, because remember we said that uh, uh, mourning is just an extension of that first beatitude, which is the poor in spirit. So the poor in spirit, they realize that they are undone. They realize that. But the mourning part of that is, is, is the part when we go to God with it. See, it's one thing to think it. It's one thing, thing to be poor in spirit. It's one thing to be poor in spirit. But it's another thing to go to God in our mourning. To go to God because we're wretched. To go to, go to God because we're pained. Because we're disturbed. Because we're heart-rented. Because we're heartbroken. Because we're moved to tears. That's what mourning is. So that first condition is that they realize that they are undone. 
Right. So when you realize that you are undone, that on your best days, you still on your best days, you still cannot be and do what God is calling you to be and to do without the spirit of God. That's realizing that I am undone. I'm realizing that, that that no matter what, no matter how much I try to reach that standard, no matter how much I try to reach that standard, I, I find myself, my wheels are spinning. I find, my, I find myself not being able to do that. But God, and so that's where that morning comes in. But God, I'm going to go to the one who is able to keep me from falling. I'm going to go to the one who is able that to, to, to invoke that spirit, the spirit that lives on the inside of me. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to pour out that morning. I'm going to pour out, pour out my, my tears. I'm going to just lay it all down on the line. Not, not that he doesn't know already, but, but I want him to know that I know. I want him to know that I recognize that I am undone and I am nothing without him. That's mourning. I fall short. I fall short. Yes, I proclaim to be Christian. Yes, I proclaim to, to, to be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But on my own, I cannot do it. I need that spirit. Lord, please don't take your spirit from me. I need it. I need it. I need that direction. I need that guidance. I need that correction. I need all of that. I just need you, Lord. That's morning. I just need you. I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That's the, that's, that's the morning. That's the morning when you can take it to God. And you can say, Lord, this, this is who I am. This is who I am. And I need you. That's morning. Heartbroken. Heartwrenched. Disturbed. Because I understand that I have not been able to reach the standard on my own. There is no way that I can do it without you. No way that I can do it. I remember I said, we're not, we're not, this is, I told you this is not for the faith. This is not for the weak. This is not for, this is for those who are professing, not only professing, but they are doing what they need to do. They are pressing toward the mark of the higher calling. Again, I'm not talking about those who who are okay with being mediocre. I'm talking about those who are pressing toward the mark. See, being mediocre and pressing, those are two different things. Being okay with where you are, that's one thing. But pressing toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus, that's something totally different. And so when you go to God in your morning, that's you pressing. That's you pressing. Lord, I, not only do I realize that I'm not, uh, that I'm undone, but I need your help. Because I don't want to stay and I don't want to remain the way that I am. I don't want to stay. I don't want to remain the way that I am. I'm not caught up in religion about what people think of me, of, 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 of what they, when they look at me, what they see. I'm not caught up in that. I could care less about that. I only care about pleasing the Lord. I only care about reaching all I want to hear, all I want to hear at the end of my days is well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. Regardless of what people think of me here and now, regardless, I could care less about what people think of me here and now. All I want to do is to please the Lord. That's, that's my sole purpose, is to please 
God. Listen, listen. And in the, the scripture, it already tells us, it already lays it out for us. In, 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 in verse 11, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. And persecute you. You know, and again, we said that all of these things, all of these characteristics, when you have all of these characteristics, you will be reviled and you will be persecuted. And people are going to say some evil things against you. But it does not matter. You have to get that in your mind. You have to, you have to have that resolve in your mind that it does not matter what people say. That the only thing that I'm concerned with is that I am pleasing God, the only thing that I'm concerned with is that I am in the will of God. The only thing that I am concerned with, the only thing that I am concerned with is that I am obeying the word of God because I want to please him. That has to be your resolve. That has to be courageous in 2021, that has to be your resolve. To do what God expects of you, That has to be your resolve. To put down legalism, that has to be your resolve. To put down uh, the moral standards, that has to be your resolve. No, righteousness is the only thing. Righteousness is the only way. Only righteousness. Because righteousness is what pleases God. That's all I want, is to please God. Whatever God expects, that's what I plan to do. Whatever God expects, that's what I plan to give him. That's it. Bottom line. And everything in my life, everything in your life has to revolve around just that. I desire to please God. Bottom line. Point blank. That's it. That's all. That's it. So we talked about we talked about those things, and we, we, we're uh, I need to push on here. Condition number two, remember the condition number two of the poor in spirit. So condition number one was that I I realized that I myself that I am undone. Condition number two of the poor in spirit is the discouragement of seeing the ungodliness of the world system that is contrary to God. And his system, particularly in having to navigate that system when it is not ruled by righteousness. So, so condition number two is that I see the ungodliness of the world and how far apart, how contrary it is to the standard of God. The standard of God is what? Righteousness. I see how far apart this world system is compared to righteousness. And then I have to navigate in that system. I have to navigate. I have to live. Again, we're not, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But So as long as I'm in the world, that means I have to navigate. That means I, I, I'm, I'm not living in a bubble. I am living among the people. I'm living among the world with all of their worldly thoughts. With all of their worldly actions, I'm living in that system, but I am not of that system. So I have to try to navigate as one uh, 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 living righteously, as one proclaiming to live righteously, proclaiming to, to, to want to please God. I have to navigate this system with that, with that thought in that train of mind. 
that I want to please God, but yet I have to navigate in a system who's not trying to please God. You see, we, 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 are, we are here, we are navigating, we are moving, we are living our day-to-day lives. We are living in this system that, has, that, that, that could care less about what God thinks. But our, in our minds, ourselves, we are desiring, our desire, our only desire is to please God. But we are living in a system that could care less about what God thinks. And they try to get rid of him altogether. And they try to exclude him altogether. And this is the system that we're having to live in. So that poor in spirit. See, I, I, I can see that. And, and because of that, now still mourning attached to it. Don't forget about the mourning. Mourning is the other piece of that poor in spirit. Is that other piece? So now I have to go to God. Just like I go to God for me, I have to go to God. I have to go to God to, to, to help me in this place that I have to navigate that is unrighteous and unholy. I have to pray for others. Pray for others that we might live quiet and peaceable lives as Christ has asked us to do. Pray for those who do, who, who are, who are not godly. Why? Because God desires, He desires that all come into the knowledge and the truth of the Word of God. And I told you last week, that means even praying for those who do you wrong, praying for those who do others wrong, praying for, the, it is desiring that all come into the knowledge and the truth of the Word of God. Why? I'm trying to please God. That's what God wants. And so that I have to agree with his word. When I agree with that word, then I can be at peace. Listen to that. Listen to that. Because, because when, 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 when we are facing, uh, again, uh, facing all of the, the, uh, uh, um, the racial unrest and, and the, 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 the civil unrest, when we're, when we're facing those things, when we're facing those things, Things that are in this world, ungodliness and unrighteousness, and we are facing those things. We are in this world and we are facing those. We are, we are experiencing those things just like everybody else, but we're righteous. And we're trying to please God and we're trying to live our lives according to the standard of God. But yet we see this civil unrest. And so it's, you know, it, it, it becomes a, a moral thing to want to jump on the bandwagon and hate those who are persecuting us and hate those who, who, who are, are hurting our people, hurt those who are, you know, hurt the, the people of color. And, and it, it's, we can see it's a moral thing. Yes, 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 they are doing people wrong. And not just, not just people of color. I mean, just, just any, I mean, just any, anything, anything that's unright. So we see that the injustices, the injustices. We, we see the injustices, right? And then we are trying to live righteously. Again, it's so easy to try to jump on that bandwagon of morality. It's easy to try to bump, jump on that bandwagon of, oh yeah, they need to die. Just take them. Just send them. Just send them to, to, the, to the electric chair. Just send them. They need to be. Oh, after what they did, oh, they need to be. Oh, God, surely that they, they need, they deserve whatever they get, they deserve. Listen, listen. But the scripture tells us that vengeance is mine, said the Lord. The scripture tells us that we need to pray 
for those because God desires. He is after the world. They are part of the world. He is after the people, not the system. He's after the people of the world. Listen, if the people would change, then there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a problem with the system. He's not after the system. He's after the people that are operating the system. He's after the people that are controlling the system. So he desires that those same people that we would like to see go to the electric chair, those same people that we would like to see just burn in hell, those same people, he says, no, let's give them an opportunity. Yeah, but we don't want to hear that. We don't, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that they need an opportunity to change. We don't want to hear that. But God gave us opportunities to change. Regardless of what, well, I didn't, but I didn't, but I didn't do, I didn't do what, what they did. But you did something. And God gave you the opportunity to change. And he wants that same opportunity for them to change. He wants that same opportunity for them to change. So that's, that's taking our morning Yes, we, we're mourning. We're, we're, you know, and we, you know, families that are that are disrupted and families that are hurting, and we pray for them and we pray for their comfort and we pray for their peace. But then we also pray for those who reviled them, those who persecuted them, those who did something against them. We, we're praying for those people too. We're talking about the standard of God. We're talking about wanting to please God. We're talking about living in this world's system, ungod- seeing all the ungodliness, but we ourselves are wanting to please God and live according to the standard of God. Well, that is the standard of God. See, I, that's what I said last week, that, that I, the standard of God, that righteousness, it goes way beyond. It goes beyond. It, it, it dilutes moral standards. Righteousness dilutes morality. You can't have morality over righteousness. Either you're going to be righteous or you're not. So if you're going to be righteous, then morality takes a back seat. We're talking about the standard of God. We're talking about the standard of God. And it's here, it's laid out in the scripture. What God says. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. Starting at verse 2. Now, when John had heard in the prison of the works of Christ, and we remember why uh, uh, John was in, was in prison. He was in prison because he spoke against the uh, adultery. He spoke against adultery. And that's why he was in prison. Verse 2, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So remember, remember this, is, this is John the Baptist that we're talking about. He was the forerunner. He was sent as the forerunner for Christ. So he preached Christ. He preached the standard of God. He preached the word of God. And so here he finds himself in prison. He didn't have any problem with being in prison. He didn't have there was no complaint about him being in prison. But what we do see is the discouragement that he had because he was uh, uh, in prison because of the righteousness that he was proclaiming. Proclaiming the truth 
of the word of God. So, you know, so in, in our eyes, when, when things like this happen, in our eyes, it seems like the, the ungodly are prospering. It seems like the ungodly are getting over it seems like, you know, they are able to do whatever it is that they want to do. And that's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. So, so here, this is where John the Baptist, this is where he finds himself. So he's in prison. He knew the mighty works of Jesus. He knew, he knew the works of Jesus. He just, he was discouraged because he wasn't able to see it for himself. He had to rely on people. To come to it. Remember, I said sometimes circumstances. Sometimes circumstances. Circumstances. It keeps us from focusing. It makes it hard for us to focus on what God is doing. God is still at work, people. God is still at work. Remember, even in the midst of a pandemic, when we see God is still at work. Your circumstances have nothing to do with what God is doing. Your circumstances. It has nothing to do with what God is doing. In the midst of the circumstances, know that God is still moving. In the midst of your circumstances, know that God is still working. In the midst of your circumstances, He is doing what He is going to do. But sometimes we get discouraged when when it appears like like we can't see Him, we, we can't trace Him. When we can't trace Him, when we we can't see what He's doing, we can't we get a little discouraged. And so this is where Paul finds himself. He finds, I mean, uh, John, John the Baptist, he finds himself discouraged. Why? Because he can't physically see what's, what's going on and what God is doing for himself. Because of the circumstances and the situation that he is in. He had become discouraged when he was sitting there. So, so we see that. But, but although John became discouraged, he had no complaint about the work of ministry. No complaint about the work of ministry or the stand for righteousness. He wasn't complaining about his stand for righteousness, that his righteousness got him in that place. That's not what he was complaining about. That's not what he was complaining about. He was only discouraged because he was unable to see the works of God. So remember I said last week, he was like, you know, you know, God, are you the one? If you are the one, this is the one, the one I've been preaching about, the one I've been hyping up. If you, if this is the God, if you are the God, where are you? He's like, look, come get me. Why am I in here? If you are the one. And I'm not complaining about how I ended up here. That's not what I'm complaining. I'm just saying, come get me out. Why? Because I still got work to do. I still got preaching to do. I still got preaching to do. I still have, I still have to need to proclaim your word. I still need to do the work that I've been called to do. That was, that was a discouragement. I'm sitting in here. Lord, where are you? Are you the one? Are you the one? Listen, if you are ever in doubt that God is continuously at work, even when you can't trace him, if you are discouraged in sorrow, if you grieve because of it, if it appears that the righteous are winning, if you are discouraged and in sorrow, if you are grieved because it appears that the evil is prevailing, if you are ever discouraged because it appears that the Lord is taking too long for his promises, look to the author and the finisher of your faith. Take your feelings and your thoughts to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit when we do not take our cares to the Lord in prayer. And so listen, listen, look at, look at verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again 
those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And, and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the, the multitudes concerning John. Okay, so before we get into that, we see here, what did God, what did, what did God do? God just sent his word. All he did was send his word. That's all he did. He didn't go himself. He didn't go himself. He sent his word. He says, go and tell, just go and tell him again. That's my comfort. See, that's the comfort. In my morning, and when it looks like I, you know, I'm discouraged because of all of this unrighteousness that I'm seeing and all of this that's going on, and you know, I'm trying to proclaim the word, I'm trying to, but I see, I'm trying to live righteously before the Lord in this place, in, in this side society, among this, all of this. He said, just the word. That's all I need is the word. Christ was there. Jesus was there physically. So he didn't have to pray. Jesus was there physically. He was going to the one. But but notice, he went to the one that was proclaiming to be. Oh, you you missed that. He went to the one. He didn't talk about it. He didn't. He wasn't. He didn't go and and, and have a you know a, find somebody that that would that would that would listen to him complain and 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 more and do all of that. He didn't do any of that. He went to the Lord Himself. I'm going straight to. I'm going straight to. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Don't jump on the bandwagon. And don't allow, don't jump on the bandwagon, and don't allow your discouragement to keep you from going to God. That's when you need to press into Him. And the scripture tells us that they who mourn shall be what? Comforted. They that mourn shall be comforted. But remember when we say about that mourning, that mourning means I got to go to him. That mourning means I'm taking it to him. I can't do it on my own. I can't fix it on my own. I can't control it on my own. These emotions that I'm having, I can't do it on my own. This anger that I'm feeling, I can't do it on my own. I'm taking it to the one who is able. Notice what Jesus didn't do. He did not send the disciples back to fight for John. He didn't send the disciples back to say, go get him out of prison. He didn't go himself to go get him out. He didn't send anybody to go protest in front of the prison bar doors. He didn't do any of that. The un- even after the unrighteousness, even after the unrighteousness, and then putting him falsely... Falsely putting him in jail. He didn't do any of that. But what did he do? He sent his word. He sent his word. Just like, the, just like God is sending his word right now. Look at verse 7. And here, those who mourn, they take it to the Lord in prayer. They take it to the Lord. Look at verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. What with the multitudes? Listen, he was in, in the multitudes. And he began to talk about John, this one who was not complaining about the unrighteousness that he was being dealt, the hand that he was being dealt, the circumstances that he found himself under when he was following righteousness, when he was proclaiming God's word. He did not, this, 
Verse, what did he say? Concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? And read shaking with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence taketh by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And so here we see, he says, look, look, look at verse, what, what great testimony. What a great testimony from God. And this, and this, is, before, this is before John dies, that, that Christ has this testimony of him. Uh, Verse 10, for this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thee. Uh, Verse 11, verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is a testimony that, that Jesus had of John. That there is none greater. Among men, there is none greater. The testimony. Why? Why? Because he was humble. Because he was meek. Because he mourned. Because he took his, 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 his thoughts, he took his, his, his concerns, he took them to the Lord in prayer. And so here we see that John is exalted. We see that John is exalted, that he is blessed. He is favored of God. But he was still in prison. He wasn't delivered from persecution, but he was still favored of God. You're favored of God when Jesus can talk about you in the in front of the multitudes, to the multitudes. When he has when he has a testimony that, that among among the women, among those who are born of women. That he is greater when he, when God has that testimony of you, when God can have that testimony of you. Look at this in verse in verse in Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, and this is leading me right into into meekness. So we we're going to get into that in just a second. But let's 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 look let's look at Luke chapter four. Better example, no better example than we have of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 4, let's start reading at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as his custom was. See, most of us don't even go to church regularly. 
And he came to Nazareth where he and we see Jesus going to church regularly. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Before we, we go on to this, I, I want you to see, so, so he, as is custom, he was going into the synagogue. And it was, it was, very, it was also customary for them, uh, uh, um, preachers, right, when we have, when we have uh, a preachers that we invite, right, so you go and you, 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 you are visiting, a visiting minister, then sometimes you're invited to preach, so basically this is what was happening, they invited, we invited Jesus to preach, and so here we see uh, that during Jesus, Jesus' earthly ministry, the anointed one, he was sent by God, and he was fulfilling the scriptures, look, look at verse, um, Look at verse 20. And he closed the book. God, you know, Jesus is just, he's just bad. He closed the book. So after he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he had, I want you, I want you to see, I want you to visualize this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, he gave it back to the minister, and he sat down. And he sat down. I like this in, in the Amplified Version. Listen to this in the verses um, 18 and 19 in the Amplified Version. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who are bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Verse 19. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. He says, this is he. He says, listen. Verse 20 and 21. He dropped the mic. He said what he had to say. He dropped the mic. And there was, there was nothing spectacular about what he did. Nothing spectacular. He didn't lay hands on nobody. He didn't. He didn't lay hands on anybody. He didn't have a $500 line, a $100 line, a $1,000 line. His word, he just gave it. The word that was already preached. He, look, look, nothing different. What he read there in, in, that, in that scripture was, was from another scripture that you will find in Isaiah. So he just read the word. He read the word and he says, listen, in this day, look, look at verse, look at verse, uh, Verse 22, and all bear him witness and wonder at the, at the gracious words which, he, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? <laughs> and he said unto them, ye will surely say unto me this proverb, position, heal thyself. 
Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows here in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut, was shut up, three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but until none of them was Elias sent, save unto Serapetta, a city in Sidon unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in that time. And so he went on and he went, and he went on and he said, oh, I can't find it right now in the scripture. But, oh, no, no, it's in verse 21. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He said, Lynn, that's the bottom line. He says, I am he. I am he. I am the one that was in, in that was uh, taught uh, about that was ministered to you about it and uh, and uh, way back in Isaiah chapter sixty sixty one he says I am the one in your ears today is the word fulfilled today is the acceptable year of the Lord the Lord the, the year of God today he says the day of salvation is come salvation it is here. listen salvation is in your presence right now. Salvation is in your presence right now. That is the day. Remember that day of Jubilee. Remember that day of the year of Jubilee that, that our pastor was talking about. He said, look, this is the year of Jubilee. This is your time of jubilation. This is your time of Jubilee. He said, today in your ears is the scripture fulfilled. And that's all that God is telling us. Listen, when we have, in whatever day it was for you, if it was a Saturday, if it was a Sunday, if it was a Monday, if you were at home, if you were at church, whatever day, that was your day of, jub- of jubilation, your day of jubilee when God came to when you, when God found you and you accepted him. That was your day. He says that within that day, in that day, you, become, you became the favorite of the Lord. In that day, in that day, free favors of God profusely abound. Free favors of God profusely abound. Listen, the Lord is still working. He's still saving. He's still delivering. He's still healing. He's still binding up broken hearts. He's still doing all of that. He's still mending souls. He's still forgiving. He is still comforting. He's still giving time for men to repent. He is still keeping us during our circumstances, our trials, our tests, and our persecution. He is not slack regarding his promises. They are coming to pass. They are coming to pass. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. In the day, listen, if you, if you would just grab hold to that, that in the day of your deliverance, in the day of the year of jubilation for you, of jubilee for you, in that day, God had everything wrapped up in your salvation. It was all wrapped up in that time. That's the day when God came to you and he says, in your ears, that, that day, was the scripture fulfilled? And that day was the scripture fulfilled. Matthew chapter 5, if we could just grab hold to that. That at our salvation, no matter what goes on, remember the day of your salvation. Remember that time. It, God has not changed and he's still working. He is still working. He is still working. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse Five. Yes, yeah. 
Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit, inherit the earth. And blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who are the meek? The meek, that's the truly humble and the gentle. They have the proper appreciation of their position in Christ. A proper appreciation of their position in Christ. Understanding that they are undone. Understanding that they cannot do anything without God. They have a meek, a gentle, and humble, and a proper appreciation of their position in Christ. Meekness is humble, is an humble attitude that expresses itself in the patience, endurance of offenses. Meekness is a humble, it is a humble attitude that expresses itself in the patience, endurance of offenses. Meekness is gentleness which implies mercy and self-restraint. That's what meekness is. It implies mercy and self-restraint. Remember this, that a meek person is not a weak person. A meek person and a weak person, those are not the same. A weak person can't do anything. A weak person. They can't do, they can't do anything. A meek person can do something, but they choose not to. A weak person can't do anything, but a meek person can do something, but they choose not to. It is power under control. Meekness is a virtue. It is a strength that draws courage and conviction and disposition from God. <laughs> Did you hear that? From God. You, you see, you have to get the strength to be able, the strength to be able to be meek. You have to get it from God. Because ordinarily, our, the, the, way, the, way, the way our makeup is, the way, the way, the, the way our DNA is designed, Meekness is not a part, it's not a part of our character. Hence, people love to be in power. They love to be in power. And they want to show you that they're in power. That's the world standard. That's the the way the world thinks. That's how they think. That's how they function. That's how they operate. You tell them to be self-restraint, you, I have the power and you tell, are you saying I have the power and you don't want me to show it? I can't flex it? What, what sense is it in having power if you can't flex it? That's the world standard. That's the way the world thinks. Look at this in Psalms 37. Meekness, the very opposite, the very opposite of the way the world thinks. Psalms 37. And the scripture reads in Psalms 37, Fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. And thy judgment as the noonday. 
your righteousness, your righteousness, part of, uh, of your righteousness is being me. Uh, part of your righteousness is being me. And he says in verse 6, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness. He will bring forth your, your meekness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not. Look, you got to be meek. When you're being meek, you got to rest in the Lord. You got to wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth uh, wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. Cease from anger. See, this the opposite of being meek, right? He's saying you need to cease anger. That's the opposite. You need to cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, yea, they, thou shalt diligently consider this place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of what? Peace. Oh, what peace. We often forfeit when we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. Being meek, that's taking it to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to control myself. Now listen, and, and, and this is not, there's a difference. Think, listen to what I'm saying. There is a difference. We have meekness because we are not going to, we're going to allow or go against them reviling us. So we're going to, you know, Show our power, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the Lord. Just like John could have done. In the, I'm, I'm the Lord, and I'm the. He kept quiet, but when it was time to speak, when he to speak up for righteousness, he did that. I'm out of time. We're going to continue with this. God is faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.